you got to watch this podcast if you want to find out how, how Dimitri affords multiple Ferraris. Pork roll or Taylor Hand? Me and my current wife, we were in my parents' basement. We were in like a nine by nine room, room until for like three, four years. I kind of went to the point of, of mental collapse. Materialistic stuff. Materialistic yeah. stuff is actually evil. Came famous, I guess I'll say famous or known for Subarus within the past eight, nine years. What was the shop even prior to that? Where did you start? To, if you think that you're going to open a, a shop of, and you're not making a product, like a K-Tunes or like IG or like something like that, you're not really making that much money. Eat Sleep Raise podcast. We've got the pleasure of our guest today with Dimitri Xanthos of Prime Motoring. That's right. What's up, guys? What's going on? Subaru King, huh? Uh, we'll get into that, we'll right? Get into that. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll get into it. So actually, let's start there. Um, I know, and it's actually on your website that you guys are the Subaru specialists. We are a Subaru. So try to be humble about it, but you know, if you ask me off camera, I'd probably I would say we are the best. Junior tells me all the time that we're the best. Well, good thing we're on camera right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you you heard it. Nah, yeah, it's humble brag. So let's let's start there. Uh, you mentioned Junior. Uh, I know that the shop has been around for over a decade. Let's go to the roots here and how you have become such a well-known shop within the Subaru community, which is a very strong community. Yeah. I know we go to events like Boxer Fest and what's the other one? Wicked Big, Wicked Big Meat. Yeah. Huge, huge events, Subarus only. Yeah. And that's how we know. I mean, we personally have never owned Subarus, but that's how we know how big of a community it is. Strong community. Yeah. And a lot of friends who have those cars too. Yes. Loyal community. And then we... It was never, I was, like I had mentioned before, like, you know, the, I was never a Subaru guy. I was always a German car, g German car guy, primarily VW Audi. Um, still kind of am to this day. Um, but, you know, through, you know, meeting Junior through, through the years and then evolving, you know, we kind of grew our name due to like, you know, we were really prominent with the super drag racing scene really going into you know going e-town at the time at go we were there religiously there was if we could be there three four times a week we were there you know the car would break on a tuesday at echo try to fix it be at wednesday night test and tune at english town break it <laughs> what kind of car was it from at the beginning it was so most people know me as the owner of eggplant which was a 2011 uh plasma blue pearl uh sti hatchback so that was junior's car originally i ended up buying it from him because that's when the 2015s came out and when the 2015s came out we took everything from that car put it into his car he put that car back to stock and was going to sell it and i'm like i hadn't grown an attachment to that car at that point and i'm like i'm like i'll just buy it off you and then, and you say a lot of people know you because of that car. Because of that car, and they still take us to why they know you because of that car within the Subaru community. The, um, it was actually, I guess, the name originally because it was a purple hatchback, and then someone on someone on Instagram <laughs> called it the eggplant, and then it took off from there, and then like purple became like synonymous with us. But it just wasn't the color of the car. It People know the, the car was quick. Too. That's what I, yeah. that's what I want to get at. The car went eights, mid eights in twenty fifteen, which was unheard of at that time for Subaru. Unheard of, you know, no strain gauge 
stock ECU, just on an Axis port, off the shelf stuff, just a 68 mil turbo. Prior to you going A5, I mean, what was the fastest out there? It was probably, I think at the time was not White Bullet. It was, I think the PL stick shift wise, I think it was White Bullet at that time or PL. And how fast were they at? They were, I think, eight sixes, eight forties around there. And that was White Bullet though was like more of a, again, uh like a a drag car. Right. My car could go back to stock at any point and be traded in. So we hadn't really cut it up till later on. And then when we did do that, that's when it, by the time we took that significant weight, I crashed it. So we actually crashed it twice in a year, rebuilt it the first time, crashed the second time. And then that was. Do you done. credit your shop full of Subarus because of that car? Or oh, yeah, yeah. People would come in, people would come in, they'd see the car and they'd be like, I want whatever that thing has. And it was off the shelf stuff. So it was ETS turbo kit that you could still buy to this day, IG long block that you could still buy to this day. The in four injectors wasn't running eight injectors, it was running an Axis port, like all simple stuff stuff that we do on customer cars to this day so yeah definitely that juniors 2015 was was actually the big turning point it was a 15 but it was we had taken the setup from the purple car and put it that he originally had in it and put it into that car so the car had just come out it was end of 2014 and we put that everything into that car and we went nine sevens on a full interior car like literally right off the bat in 2015. In 2014. Right. So that car had subs, everything, like full kicker sound system, and it went nines. And I remember the I remember posting that up and the next morning it was like off the races. Every like the the phones still haven't stopped and the emails haven't stopped since that day. So that's not many years ago, what, eight, nine years ago, but Prime has been around even longer than that. So let's let's go backwards here a little bit. So because you only became famous, I guess I'll say famous or known for Subarus within the past eight, nine years, what was the shop even prior to that? Where did you start? And were you always a car guy that transitioned into owning a shop? Give us give us the background. Always a car guy. I worked in I worked at a diner most of my life. You know, parents owned owned a diner. Um that's most people know that about me. Obviously, I'm Greek, so especially here in Jersey, especially here in New Jersey. So North Jersey, South Jersey, North Jersey, North Jersey, Arlington Diner primarily. So I remember I was like 13, 14 years old, and I remember my, my mom's like, "Dress up, put a button down on whatever," and I'm like, "Where are we going?" And she just like dumped me off, and they're like, "It was that. It was at the Jubilee Park Diner. It's called the Allwood Road Park Diner now." It's still there. It's still there, but it's nice. It's like built up nice. It's crazy. And they call them. They call it pork roll there. Taylor Ham. No, Ta we're we're civilized people. That's <laughs> not. <laughs> nah. So we're we're in civilization up there. We're, this is this is a whole nother. World. You're a very dense dense population up there. So we got we got to give some background to this for those who are unfamiliar with Jersey. There is a known battle between Taylor Ham or pork roll, and Taylor Ham. Yeah, I, I I go to the in the morning pork roll, pork roll egg and, and cheese. cheese for me. Pork roll doesn't doesn't flow though. Yeah, it doesn't. It does not flow. Taylor I'll ham egg and cheese. I'll say pork roll. I'll see the, the Taylor ham egg. And, okay, I'm like, all right, whatever. I've just always at least you know pork. what I want. Jello is jello, even though it's you know gelatinous <laughs> fruit. 
something, something. I've never heard that one before. Kleenex is clean, you know, Kleenex is a, well, it starts with a G, not a J. Gelatin. Let me know in a comment, pork roll or Taylor Ham? It's Taylor Ham. If you're civilized, it's Taylor. <laughs> I'm, I'm uncivilized. <laughs> but yeah, I worked at the diner for a long time. And then I remember my sister was like, it was like, she's like, you got to get out of here. She was working IT at, you know, like the corporate world. And she was high up. You know, she's like, follow me. You'll make a lot of money. You know, come work for me. This, this, this. I'm sure your parents were happy to hear that. They were happy. I was oh, like, were they really? They're probably like, no, no, we need him to work here. No, 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 no. My mom, I, I've, I've overheard a lot of conversations where it's my mom's like, you know, like give him, like give, let him take over. My dad's like, this isn't for him. Oh, my really? dad was like, he's got to get out of here. Oh, wow. Cause he's like, he's going to end up like me stressed all the time, whatever. I, I still am. But <laughs> it didn't really work out. Like that. That's small business owner life, right? Correct. So my dad's like, get, I would hear them too. And right. I was, he, he's like, because she, she thought I had no future. I always thought to myself, you know, something inside of me, I knew I was going to do something. How old were you? Early 20s. Early 20s, you know. And then I was bad with money. I, did, I couldn't save money for nothing. It's changed a lot over the years. And then the, I remember my sister's like, I guess they had talked and she's like, I'm going to get him out of there. So we went out, you know, the she got me a job with her. I worked IT help desk. And like, you know, learn some server stuff. And I did that for two years. I hated it. It was the most like depressing, the commute, the traffic. I was tra going from North Arlington to Parsippany. It's like on a good day, it's like 40 minutes. But I was sitting at, rotting in traffic. I'd have to be there at like eight in the morning. And then I was also on call. They had multiple like satellite offices. So if something happened at like three in the morning, I'd have to get up and go. And it was like not cut out for the corporate, not life. cut out for it. And through that, like on the side, like I'd have my two laptops there and I'd be e answering emails for prime on one. Oh, so you already started the shop at this okay, point. Yeah, I knew I was out. And I gave, I actually gave my sister to be courteous. I gave her. Oh, I, after a year, I'm like, I'm letting you know, I'm like February 1st of 2014. I'm, I'm out. I'm like, whatever. She was upset. Cause I was, I was good and I was reliable. And I was like, I'll find you a replacement for me. He actually still works there. Um, which is great. The well, thankfully he's built for the corporate life. He was built for it. Yeah. I was not. And I'm like, I'm going to give you a year. I'm going to be, you know, respectful to, to everyone. But I'm like, I'm going to start transitioning out of here. So at what point did the transition from working in the diner to the IT, where did Prime start in between? Prime started as, funny, great question. The So we were just a group of friends. We would go to like meets all the time. With European cars. We all had Volkswagen Audis. All of us. And we, a lot of us still talk to this day. Like my good friend, John we call him Mark Five John because he had a Mark Five GTI, so he's I see him every day still to this day. So we created like a bond there, and we're like none of you know we we all live relatively close within twenty minutes of each other, and we're like we didn't have anywhere to like work on our own stuff, whatever. So we all chipped in and rented a shop on Portland Street in Belleville, right behind that Rodigio place over there. So it was a Land Cruiser shop in the front. Uh, I forgot what they're called, Metro Land Cruisers. And then in the back, there was a little 600 square foot shop. So we would all just go there, hang out at night, 
drink, smoke cigarettes, freaking work on your own cars, detail, you know, wash cars. Um, it's like a social club, correct? We were, yeah, for real. Honestly, a lot of yeah. yeah, we would sit there. We had nothing to do. We'd just hang out there. You weren't taking customers. We start. That's when we started taking in customers because then we were deep. Me and Chris were detailing. Who's my ex partner? Mike, who's another one that helped founded the the whole thing, was doing. So you actually video. got into the car business by detailing cars. I was detail. I was yeah, and that I it took a long time. So we were detailing cars, and then we I remember it was starting to get tight because we actually started getting you know a decent following, and I remember I was sitting there the one night and I was eating White Castle. And I remember looking through the newspaper and I found a shop in East Rutherford on Poplar Street. And it said it was like 1,800 square foot, whatever. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to call them and see, you know. Because you outgrew your space in Belleville. Yeah, I'm like, I feel like with more space, we could, you know, expand a little more, right? And at this point, you're full-time at Prime or not yet? No, no, not even close. Oh, I'm okay. still not, at that point in, in Belleville, I'm at the diner. Mm. So the, um, and transitioning to IT. So we go, we, we set up, we go see this place in East Rutherford. It's actually a drift shop now, uh, faction, uh, real cool guys. They're still there. They do a great job. Um, they, so we go, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. It's like close. It's relatively inexpensive. It was 1800 square feet and it was like 1800 bucks. And your plan was to detail cars out of there. Yeah. Detail. And then like. Mike was going to do car audio and we'd all pitch in. We were still renting some space to other people too, because we couldn't afford the whole amount. When we got in there, we signed the lease and she was like, who's the, the landlord's daughter was like, Oh, do you guys have insurance? I'm like, Oh, you're not even a business at this. No. And I had no idea. So I'm like, no, I'm like, I don't I have personal insurance. So the, this, the story that we're hearing is honestly a, a story of starting a business from scratch from by accident. I had no idea because no one ever taught me. Anything. Right. Right. You don't well, technically your parents ran a business. My They'd... parents are immigrants and they don't, they don't like have, they don't articulate well. So they, it's hard. Like my dad would tell me things in like, you know, in his broken way, he's a hick from Greece, like literally, but they figured out how to run a business out here. He can, yeah, but he can barely even read English, you know, like my uncle can barely write. Like, well, credit to him to run in a diner. They're geez, don't. Yeah. They're talk about inspiration. But yeah. my dad would tell me things when I was young. He'd be like, do this. And it's shit that people, sorry. No, that's cool. That's cool. We're a podcast. Okay. <laughs> it's stuff people would say that gurus say now on, like influencers say now. Yeah. And my dad was telling me 20 years ago, I was a kid. But I didn't, it wasn't, he couldn't say it. Hey, feel free to drop some of that knowledge on here. Oh, yeah. There's some aspiring business owners watching us. I real estate back then. He's like, stop with this car stuff. He's like, buy a house. He's like, you buy a house right now, by the time you're 30, you'll be rich. I wish I listened to him. I bought later. I bought a, that, that helped me on later in life. But he was telling me all kinds of stuff, like, you know, but he didn't know how to articulate well. And also, you're a kid, you're like, yeah, hanging out with my friends. It's like kind of hard. There's a, there's a learning curve from, you know, from every aspiring business owner and, you know, it's part of maturing in life of hundred percent. Yeah. You always look back like shit. Somebody told me that back in the day. Oh yeah. And it was all the stuff. Now I see on 
Grant Cardone and all yes. talking about it. And my dad was telling me years ago, but he just didn't know how to like explain it. Right. You know, the, but you know, it, it's hard to, especially when you're a kid, it's hard to grasp all that because you're just a kid. You're a kid. And yeah. You understand. Like, you want to hang out. You, you're not thinking about like how your dad was thinking about your future. You're thinking about living today. right now. Right. Yes. And then in and hindsight, 20 bucks for lunch. Where are we meeting tonight? Yeah. yeah. In hindsight, you're like, damn it. I should have listened to that. It worked out because if I had, if I did do that back then, I don't think I'd be able to maintain it because my mind, like I didn't fully mature right. in terms of like my personality and stuff until I was like 30. That's another thing too, is the maturity level. I was immature in my twenties. So I, I probably couldn't until 30. I couldn't, I, me and my current wife, we were in my parents' basement. We were in like a nine by nine room, room until for like three, four years. So until 30 and I bought my first house. Well, just let's skip a little bit forward here, kind of inspirational to those watching because you got to wait till, you know, this story gets a little bit further in life because Dimitri has a Ferrari right now. So to hear that, well, there you go. Dimitri has a couple Ferraris and to hear he lived in his parents' basement up until he was 30 something with his wife. Stay tuned to hear how he went from his parents' basement to owning a couple Ferraris in five years. Yeah. You know, that's one thing though, like, you know, for you to be able to do that, I, a lot of the people in this generation, you look at you look at Instagram and you see, oh man, he has this, he has that. You know, one thing that that the younger generation should be aware of is, yes, he may have that, but right now might not be your time. It might be five or six years. I mean, look at you. I mean, you having a Ferrari now. Like it's crazy because the stuff I have now multiple Ferraris. Multiple Ferraris. I multiple of a lot of things. <laughs> no, I got a lot of crap. But the it's it was even the stuff now, it's like I'm not content with it. Like you get it and then you're like, eh. Some people are happy with it, but it's like everyone's different too. Like what I want to say is like you're not you know, you might get what I have and be perfectly content the rest of your life. Everyone's different. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, yeah. A Ferrari doesn't define anything. And there's times where I don't want it. I don't want any nice things. And I want to move to Greece and have some sheep and some chickens and just be like, throw my phone in the ocean and be left alone. I think that's actually true happiness. I think a lot of this, you know, not. And I'm learning that as I'm going and I get it and I'm never happy. And that's a whole so. Is that is that what happened? You got one Ferrari, not happy. Maybe two will make it happy. Still not happy. The third one, ah, let's get rid of them all. No, nah, because once you get it, so I had an I had an uh, an FF uh, a couple years ago, and I the uh, four seater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember getting it, and obviously when I got it, it was like, oh shit, this thing's sick. And then it was not too long after. Sorry, rule number one. I. <laughs> he knows the rules. <laughs> the right after I started to be like, I could have gotten F twelve. If I work a little harder, I could get E twelve. Then it starts and I'm like, I'm not happy because I'm already looking past the car I worked so hard to get. So I I sold I got rid of it and I drove a, a which I still have to this day. My dad drives it every day, actually. I have a two I bought a I went from the, the FX. I got rid of any nice car I had, and I drove a 2008 Honda Pilot every day. I bought it for three grand, had new tires, bought it you know, online, and I'm like, D 
just to get me in that mindset. And I'm like, I'm going to get rid of this car now. I'm going to work. I'm going to save my money. I'm going to go buy some more, invest it correctly, buy more real estate, all that. And I'm like, I'll get that 812. I'm not going to settle for the F12. I'm going to get the 812. And I did. It worked out. I, I drove it. I still have that car to this day. I was like, my dad drives it, like I said. But sometimes when something, mine's broken or something, I'm like, yo, dad, let me grab it. You know, still drive it. So let's let's go back here of how you went from the parents' basement, not owning an official business yet, to the Ferrari FF. Let's well, fill in the gap here. Yeah, let's fill it in. So the the so when she's like, hey, I need insurance. I'm like, so then Chris, who's your doppelganger, was like, you know, he started looking it up, and he's like, oh, we got to form like an LLC and stuff like that. That's when we started. He's like, oh, we need a name. Like, what year is this? Twenty ten. Yeah, twenty ten. And then, 13 years ago. Yeah. And he's like, we need a name. And then we were, we were big fans of Best Motoring back then. Oh. So. Yeah. And we were like, what's, what's like a, what's like a, so, like we could do, we can use motoring. What's like a synonym or something. Or, synonym. Yeah. Of yeah. Best. And that's where we found it. Prime. Prime Motoring. And he's like, and he's like, I like it. Because people would be like, oh yeah, I'm heading to Prime. Like, that was his like thing. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Let's do it. Yeah. So we did that. And I remember we just sitting there and we bought a lift. I still have the same lift. I'm not one to buy these expensive things. Like you guys are fancy. <laughs> uh, I bought we bought Custom it. painted them. Yeah. <laughs> we bought a twelve hundred dollar Eagle lift, which I still have to this day. It's still in use every day. And the and then we hired Dave. He was our first mechanic. He was more VW Audi guy, but he was doing like, you know. We're doing exhaust installs, coilover installs, whatever we could. Obviously, and we were learning. Like, I remember we got our first Subaru in, and we <laughs> we had ordered. I thought it was the same thing. I'd ordered a, uh, it was a WRX. I ordered an STI clutch for it, and I remember him force fucking it onto the snout, of the, uh, onto the. You know, he bolted it in and fucked the trans, and it, it the snout was completely different, and it jammed into the trans. I remember we had to use like ratchet straps and stuff. Pull it back off. So what I'm getting from this is nobody was formally trained. Uh, not nope. in Subaru. Right. He was like, because he's like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I was like, I'll try. He's like, I don't want to work on this crap. And I remember that's when Junior first walked in. Like, not walked in. Like, he was around at that time. I was just, like I'd mentioned to you before, I was, we only knew of him because we were, I was washing his cars. All right, so let's go back here. Junior tuned. Some people may not be familiar. He's most well known in the Subaru community. Yeah, he's obviously he does everything. He does other stuff too. But we, does he only tune out of your shop? No, he tunes in uh, Florida. DR he's kind of like a freelancer. Yes, he's his own. He's not any. He doesn't own Prime, but we're his home shop because he he's from New Jersey. He okay, New Jersey, but tunes in Florida, South Carolina, Iowa, and off the line. Uh, whoever is willing to pay the bill. Yeah. But whoever doesn't, you know, he, uh, it's mostly like that with, you know, like I know the Honda guys that are like kind of grounded um, with with the Subaru community. A lot of shops around the country just have, you know, it's it's rare that, well, other guys like Mikey, Mikey's like, you know, the other, you know, junior-esque kind of figure in the community. He to his home state is Connecticut, so his home shop is Shop CT. But he go to Florida, Machines Gone Wild, stuff like that. So they like other places hire them. 
they get a, you know, they, they fly them in, you know, he has like, they accept prices and then you upcharge from there. So every, as whoever's willing to, to do it and everyone's got their own tuner, except. So he came and you randomly met him. I met him through, uh, my buddy Dom, who I was just, I still, my, our parents are good friends. Dom was a frequent of Turbo Tricks. And he had a, his first car was a 2004 WRX, which he still owns to this day. And he, he, I had known him because he was a local in my town and we went, we didn't go to the same school. He went to, to, uh, Queen of Peace. I went to public school. Queen of Peace is like the, the Catholic school in, in, in the town. And so you're the European guy and yeah, and comes these Subaru guys. And yeah. And he was like, Hey, my buddy, he's like, what if you want to, uh, he had told junior about me, like I could detail his car or keep his cards washed, stuff like that. So junior would fly out somewhere and he would leave me his Ferrari or his Viper or whatever. And I would just make sure that it was nice. Right. So, but I never met him. I, I would, cause I would leave for work and I would do it after hours. So when I'd come back home, I'd, I'd leave work and I'd go directly to the shop cars are ready and I would do his stuff. So he was like, I only really heard of him. And then the one day he like showed up and was like, you know, he had a, he had a Forester, like a 35R on it. Back then to me, that was like, oh, yeah. and then he's like, yeah, this thing runs tense. And I was like, okay, I'm like, cool. And he's like, I'll bust up whatever you have. And I'm like, I'm like, who is this freaking dude? He's got a ponytail. And they're like, that's junior. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, really? And, and I was like, and then like from there, it like kind of, he's a, he, he was a little abrasive, but it kind of like, we, we got each other. We, we, we eventually like, you know, it was just like, we became, we, we, we were on the same wavelength eventually. So I realized he's kind of cool. So I was like, okay, he's not too bad. And he would just like, you want to drive the Ferrari for the week? I'll sure. He's like, here you go. And that they had take it home. It leaked oil all over my parents' driveway. <laughs> and, you know, just, it was, but it was fun. You know, I'd keep it clean and that's how it like, it went from there. And then from junior, he would bring around Vince who, uh, Vince Wynn, um, who was, I think he had worked at Turbo Tricks too. And then he was helping junior just work on his cars and junior would pay him. And he's like, and he was like, yo, hire Vince. He'll teach you how to do, run, like do the Subaru stuff. He'll build motors. He'll show you how to do everything, build people. Cause I had no idea. But before that was after I transitioned, I also, that's when I, you know, I, I, at the same time I was going from IT to that. So Vince was there like helping everyone put things together, put, uh, invoices together stuff like and that the and the show idea yeah and from there junior and vince started getting in our ear like by a dyno i'll start tuning cars here because he was doing junior started doing some road tunes for us so we would install some parts and we would and you know he would you know so who was installing the parts at your shop at that point we vince was working for us and he was your install guy and he was doing the install stuff on the subaru stuff right and then from there like Dave, who helped us out at the beginning, was like, he started, you know, he saw that we were doing more JDM cars. He's like, yo, I'm not comfortable. He kind of went and did his own thing because he just wasn't comfortable with it because he, 
with the cars. I get it. You know, Honda guys and Subaru guys are different. Everyone's different, right? So I totally understood. He went and did his thing. He opened his own thing. He worked on the cars he likes, which I get it. Others. He's still working on I believe European so. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I'm sure he would be. Uh, no, that guy's work. Dave is working on Honda's. Oh, was it Honda? He wasn't comfortable working on oh, European okay. cars. No, I don't think he's working on this. No, oh. European cars. Oh, no, he was working on European cars. Oh, he, he, with... he didn't want to work on the Subaru. He didn't work on yeah. Subaru. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I got it. It's fine. And at that point, there, you know, we hired other people. I hired Rafi, which is still with me to this day. Um, he's from around me. This is getting interesting because you came from a detail shop so now we know you as like one of the I, fastest. It took a super long time shot. to shake that stigma, right? Because there's a lot of people you talk, you know, here through the grapevine. You did probably even a couple of years ago. It's like they're like, "Oh, doesn't he wash cars?" Like, "Oh, that time, don't they detail cars?" And it's like, "No, they, they work on. They build time. fast cars." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take us through there. Like, what was the first fast car that separated you guys from? It was probably the purple car, the eggplant. The 11. That was like the first car. And then the that was like, I remember <laughs> I, we were at o, we were at H2O when H2O was good and when it existed in Ocean City, Maryland. And I remember Junior coming down with that car. And he was just like, he had, it was him, Dom, his wife, his Rottweiler, his son in the back, all their crap in the hatch. And they were busting everyone up and down coastal highway on that car that car made like 600 back then and i was like that's crazy drive down go back up very interior exhaust everything like normal car it's like, Man, that's fucking cool like that car looks good too it's like it's like that purple color limited so i remember hit like seeing that there and then that car we would like take the seats out and go to the track and it would go with like the stock Dunlops. We were going like 10 1 at like 145, like 147 ish, like back then on the 62 mil. Full in, like we would just pull the seats out, nothing crazy, like nothing like cut or anything. And I'd be like, dude, let's put like a set of radials or something. I was like, oh, nice. Junior was all about like the, like he wanted to like embarrass people and like do like, I did nines on like stock tires. I'm like, yo, that's stupid. Let's just put a freaking slick on it and go fast. So this was just a little bit bigger turbo. 62 mil. Like a 62, 60. It wasn't even Gen 1. Nothing done to the motor. Piston rod. Okay. It was literally manly. Uh, no, it was CP pistons and PC uh, rods. So I a little built motor. Very little. Yep. And then, uh, and then a, a simple tune. Yeah. There was no like flex fuel. Cobb was... There was obviously the access port, but it's not as as well, you know, integrated as it is today. So there's no flex fuels. Very simple, super simple stuff. Uh, stock intake manifold, like some, you know, Killer V header, which they still sell to this day. Very off the shelf. Very off the shelf. Um, a single 450 fuel pump wall, bro, that we zip tied into the stock hanger because no one's making hangers that fit into the new 08 buses. So that stock rails to the front, like the car probably made like six fifty. At this point, Junior owned that car, and then the twenty fifteens came out in like the end of twenty fourteen, as fifteen. So because you were a fan of that car, is why it ended up being your little thing because he was going to sell it. Yeah, I took a loan out to buy the car from him. I bought the car from him. I just, I, I just want. I felt like that car was like a part of the shop. So 
from there, I so he's like, he was putting it back to stock and he put it back to stock and he put a motor, he bought, because the built motor went into his car, his 2015. And the... He put like he bought like a random swap from his boy and put it in and it was blown up. So he bought up like he got scammed on that, which is whatever happens on these cars. You never know. Um, and then I remember we were going to start it so I could drive it because I hadn't had a Subaru at that point. So I'm like, I was excited to get my first Subaru and like do Subaru things and drive it, whatever. And it was we went to start it wouldn't start two cylinders were down on on compression so is this and i'm gonna like, strip this now yeah and i'm like strip it we're going all out and we went crazy and at the same time we moved into the new shop and i put all my money into that it was crazy how much money you have when you don't have a race car by the way when, the, when that car went away he was like, I was like Damn, I got a lot of money because i put everything into that car but it was a marketing tool right it was it was really worth you didn't every see it as that back then though i bet i did Oh, so you're like, let me put all my knew, marketing dollars into this. Car. I knew my goal was to be the fastest Subaru in existence. That was my goal with that car. And we fell short on it, but I feel it, that, that car, if you talk to anyone to this day, it's like, has that. So that car you credit is the reason why, you know, that, so many Subarus go to you today. That car, Junior's 15 was big. That was a big car that really, that re those two cars were like the pillars. And then it really took off from them too, because both of them were very relatable. We went in juniors 15, we had, we put a FP black on it. Cause we would change like, I want stock location record or like stock, you know, stock frame record, like stuff like that. So we put, he would get like an FP black, right. And he'd put it on and the cars, we would literally drive down. It was me, him, Jen, Lynn, the dog subs, like luggage. We would go to World Cup when World Cup had index racing, and we would get go in the 1050 index, and he would run 1050s on that car, full interior. We would sit in the lanes; it was cold, heat on, music on. We'd get out; he'd go do a 1050 pass, and we're it was it was cool. It was like like it was it was those were like real fun, genuine times. And our thing was like we can compete here, you know, and. We're having fun, and then and because of all those races, race on Sunday, sell yeah. on Monday. That was the whole thing. So it was like, and it worked because if I came home and I had a like, or I'd be in the car driving back with something on the trailer, and I'd be posting on Instagram, social media, because I knew Monday morning the emails were filled, and we were selling motors and all kinds of stuff from there. And then you know, then CJ came out the white the V eight eight the white car came along. He was doing stock motor. He was running nine stock motor. And then that was unheard of. Even to this day, it has never been done again. It's never been replicated. I think that uh, that saying that you just said there, race on Sunday, sell on Monday. It's, it's real. It is the most powerful thing in terms of marketing, stuff like that. And it's true. Like I was watching a Formula One sprint race this morning. And I'm like, man, you see the red Ferraris and stuff. Like, I want another one. You know, it's like, it works. It's it's. Yeah, I see McLaren. I'm like, I got to get a McLaren now. Like, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Hell yeah. You did. It's true, though. Yeah. It's true. But the way my bank account works, uh, <laughs> just add that. It's going to happen. Add that to the bucket list of uh, many other things I'd like to get. <laughs> You're modest. So, so the um, race empire. <laughs> the thought process behind the race on Sunday, sell on 
Monday, that has always, I guess, been a, um, I guess, a driving factor of why your business has been so successful. It's because you guys made it a point to have fast cars, enjoy them, but also we're doing this to make some money. And I, and early on, remember I was living in my parents' basement right. while doing this. So I, I didn't have expenses like that. So I would like other racers, CJs, other people that were prominent on the streets and whatever, I'd give them free shit. I'd give them or help them with free labor, tuning, whatever. And they would push the name out. Right. And that's what a lot of people are afraid to do even today is just to give free stuff out. And I didn't care because I wasn't. It was a marketing expense for you. I was looking further down the road. Right. right? If I have all these fast Subarus, prime motoring, anyone who has a Subaru and wants to go fast, they're going to come to me because we're proven. And we had a lot of Instagram followers quicker. Like when, it, you know, as Instagram was becoming the very the, early days. Yeah. I was getting, I was accruing and I compared to maybe not IG because they're like more of a global brand now. But, you know, I've always had a good following on there because I had people. Like, and even to this day, I always try to help out. Like, and, you know, they people ask for sponsorship, stuff like that. Go on the street, go race some cars. Go to the track, go race some cars. You show me some value. Show me value. You have to show me value. And I have the certain guys now that they know they'll blow their crap up. And it's like, just tow it in. Just don't worry. I'll take care of you. So, cool. You know, in two, so 10 years ago, that whole race Sunday mentality worked because we had English Town. We had all those tracks near us. So, like, what, what do you do now? I was always an ACO guy, primarily. I always liked the road because it was like, I'm a dude that gets in the car. I don't play music. So, I like that drive to ACO, and I would just think scenarios in my head constantly. So, it still works for you because ACO kind of still, still works. So, you I, I haven't gone in a long time. Schedule is a little tighter nowadays, but but I am working. Hey, take a page from your book here. I actually am working on another car. I'm oh, okay. Something not the usual STI manual. It's auto. It's different. We're gonna so go into that. Your mentality still works because you did go to ACO. What what other? So I'd still go to English. I'd go to whatever was open. Right. Yeah. So like. What are your avenues now? What are the avenues now since like English Town is gone? Like, is it the streets or? Yeah. I was never. Okay. I was never into it. I tried. I had gone to Nanuet one time and it was like so chaotic and it just wasn't for me. I'm not like built like that. So I'm not, I never tried to be like the street racer guy. You know, everyone's got their own thing. Uh, but I went the one time to Nanuet. I had my, I had a Mark one rabbit. It was like turbo single jingle, DW single jingle, ABA, two liter uh, ABA, not a Honda single jingle. And I went there and I thought, you know, and then I saw the crap that was up there. It was like Mustangs racing bikes. And I'm like, say my, say my scene, I'm leaving. Uh, I went one time to the street race and I never went back. And I've never, it's just never like, I know. Well, the track clearly worked for you. Yeah. Customers I know go, they do their thing. You know, I'll support them, but it, it's not for me. So what what events are there out there now that, like, the Subaru? Uh, there used to be, it, I remember Evo STI Day was huge. Yeah. Evo STI Day was an awesome event. And then English Town went away, and, that, and it was like, it never kind of, that, like. Yeah, that disappeared. It just, That was an awesome event. Because it was like, English Town, New York, Connecticut people, 
So are you saying you were busier back then or are you still just as busy? We're busier now. We're definitely busier. We're, what do you credit that to? Credit to the, the racing. So you're saying people are driving further to race? Cause yeah, they have to. Yeah, like what's the closest event now these days? Yeah. How about like in Ohio? Is there an event? There was Subaru Nationals in Indiana. Okay. And so it's kind of crazy. You're just saying like there really are no Subaru events now, but you're busier than ever. Yeah. Kind of interesting. The, like, where are they racing? They see us race. Like I think it's more of like a spectator sport. There's not as many racers. There we're spread out, right? There's like Bader, Josh Bader's in like or not Oregon, Washington State. He's big, you know, and then IG's in Maryland, Cosmic, who's doing really nice stuff. They're in Texas. So they're racing down there. Everyone at DRP and like all the guys, MGW guys, they're in Florida. We're like real spread out. So are you saying like a lot of the cars that you work on here in your Jersey shop, they're modifying them, but they're not, yeah. not mostly street cars. Yeah, they're street, they're they're modifying for the street. Yeah. Other than Nav, who works for me, he he's got Eggplant Junior. He's got basically he's he's the original owner of that car. He's got a, like a 2013 hatchback or 12 or 11, one of those years, and purple car whatever he's still racing he's about it right you don't really have too many customers who are on track not as much i feel like every- but busier than ever yeah which is great who do they industry do they come in for the verbal tune ah uh, yeah they do <laughs> they definitely do they're you're that you're that shop no 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 no. hey uh i always i'm like i just want this blah, 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 blah. The pops and bangs <laughs> that's what we said you charge you charge extra for that oh, yeah <laughs> if you're gonna it, I'm not going to let you inconvenience the earth without paying. <laughs> You're paying a tax on that. So if you want this, if you want the Burple tune, you can go to Prime uh, Motoring. Just pops and bang. to pay a lot of money. You're paying extra if it's a separate map. If you want it on all the time, it's it's part of it's part of the two months. Oh, okay. A lot of times, though, people get it and they're like, "Yeah, I want it all." The time. And, then and then they're like, "Ah, yeah, sorry, I, I need another map. <laughs> I can't hear." <laughs> yeah, they're like, "This thing sounds terrible." But Every you know, teach their own. There's some dudes that are like serious about it too. Yo, you forgot my purple Or like if we flash the card, we don't flash it on and they drive down the street and you know, we inconvenience them to turn in a raft. They're like, yo, what happened? This is not pop. It's not pop, not pop. I'm like, sorry, man. Like popping is in like it's not great or is it literally not it's literally not popping right now. Not pop. You know like bro, did did you hear me down the street? No, I didn't hear you. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's I'm back. Listen, everyone's got their own thing. Yeah. That's a pot. I I live off of Route 22. Okay. And you hear all the BMW. I hear <laughs> pops and bangs almost during the summertime, almost every night. Yeah. That I'm right off 21. Okay. So I hear any nice night, you just hear it's guaranteed. Yeah. Any if you live by highway, you're definitely gonna hear motorcycles. Yeah. Anything loud, you're going to The, the burple tune is the reason why when you get on highways like on 22, you see the uh, road signs that say this is not a racetrack. Yeah. It's because of the burple tune. Because they yeah. got to go, I think it's got to be over like a certain RPM for it to pop. So you got to you got to accelerate and then like. It's not because people are literally racing. These regular homeowners are like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm one of those people. I'm like, what the? When it wakes up my kid. Yeah, it's like exactly. Because some people are just obnoxious with it. Like, yo, you're on a side street. No one's watching you. 
relax. Well, but they probably have it on all the time. That's why they got the map. That's a... yeah, but they're doing it on purpose because you have the revenue. <laughs> right, right. You got to get it up high. But at the same time, they are the ones paying your bills. Yes and no. <laughs> they're mostly the. I like I said, it's mostly BMW guys. <laughs> no, we don't have that many. There's there's people that ask up for it. But yeah, it's died down a lot in the Subaru community. It's died down a lot. And honestly, on the Subarus, it's not as bad as some of these, like I said, these Beamers. Yeah, they, they're loud. Oh, yeah. They're loud. You could see a stock BMW. Yes. And it's a kid it's driving it, seat. and it has a, a pop and bang tune on it. Mine a key straight yeah. on it, and it's got that, you know, that Oh, man. Flame so thing. annoying. Yeah. No, the Subaru stuff, Subarus, like, you know, they got that rumble sound. Yeah. Play, so they kind of tend to backfire and stuff. So it's like, like you know, SRT4s. SRT4s were pop and banging stock. So back then it was kind of different. So it was, it's, it's, but it's, it's like a subtle, subtle, nice. You know, the thing. the Subaru motor does have that different, you know, yeah, it's like very low, like a very deep tone yeah. to it yeah. that we're, we're going to get into the Subaru motor. So hmm. kind of, so we got to the point at which you sponsored or you had in-house some of the fastest Subarus out there. Mm. You guys started, I guess, at that point, you know, across the nation, across the world, people started knowing, like, wow, Prime Motoring, oh, yeah. they build fast Subarus over there. How fast did your shop fill up? Because I've been to your shop. Is it Wallington? Wallington. Your shop is huge. It's one It's one of the bigger tuner shops in New Jersey, performance shops in New Jersey. Your parking lot is huge, and it's flooded with Subarus. You have one of the... You have an engine room that I've been to a lot of performance shops. You have a lot of motors back there. Yeah. How fast did that ramp up from eggplant building to like, dude, we are killing it in the Subaru market. Uh, like in months, years? It was in terms of steady work, right? Like it was because there was a point in time at the beginning where we're sitting there like watching like soccer games or whatever. Where you had time for that. And we're like sitting there, phone call. Right. Hey, hey, you know, and or an email. How many weeks or months did it get to, we can't watch TV anymore, guys? It was a few years like that, yeah. And then it was was a few years like that. And then it got to the point where there was a couple years in, it got to the point, probably when my car had gone eight or close to it, it was, there was never a day where a motor didn't need to be, like an external motor job didn't need to be, like a motor had to get pulled out, built, and put back in. So it wasn't like an overnight thing in which... Definitely not an overnight thing. Mm. Definitely not. I'm probably going to say the the real, like, where I was like, okay, I can make a comfortable living was 2018. I'm like, I can make a comfortable living doing this. Like a good, like a good living. You can move out of your parents' basement. And I did. That's exactly what I did. I bought my first house. And then it was, it wasn't any, like nothing extravagant. It was like a $300,000 house. So let's just say if you never committed your marketing dollars towards your race cars and helped out all these fast race cars, your business wouldn't have gone. No, become, at that point, you're just like every other shop you have nothing to differentiate yourself from anyone else. I think that's an important business lesson in this. You have to do something that differentiates yourself, whether it be a service that you offer. Yes. 
that. And another big thing that people, and I want to add to that is shop owners that I don't work on cars ever. I'll do oil changes. I'll do some stuff when guys are on lunch, whatever. I'll take care of some stuff. Most shop owners are, are the guys that are wrenching and they don't know how to run the business, run the business. Right. That's the, so ca cash flow is the biggest problem with running a shop because if you were working in a car, you're like, well, I got to make sure I got, I got to work on this next car or else we're not making any money. Yeah. So how many mechanics do you have right now? So, so you mentioned that you ne you never worked on cars, right? And I'm never wrenched on cars. Um. So, you basically just felt this felt into your lap. It was just if you did. I was always a car guy since I was in third grade. I loved cars, and then not that it fell in my lap. I feel like I I I have a better business sense than most people. And also I can, I can operate at extremes. Like I can, I am good at not getting paid why I can make things happen. I'll go make something. And the, I don't need like that safety blanket there. Right. And I'll, I'll stretch and hire an extra guy and I'll put two guys upstairs on the phones and I'll hire another dude to clean and I'll do that to make sure everything's running smooth where a lot of guys are trying to do everything themselves and they miss the little details. They'll get a bunch of emails. I'm still there answering emails with the other two guys. They're answering phones. I'm answering phones too because I'm making sure nothing gets missed. But when you're in the shop and you're working on the car yourself and you don't have anyone inside, you're missing calls. You're missing potential yeah. dollars. And people are fickle. I'm fickle. I sit there, I might want something for my car. I might want a new car. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, I don't want it anymore. So I try to like answer that email. Hey, I want to do a build. Okay, cool. Like, and I'm like, hey, what's up, man? Send me details, this, this, and that. So and there's also by doing that, there's less dependency on you that you could live your life. Like if you wanted to take a vacation. No, 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 no. I'm in it. Yeah, really. I'm in it. I'm in it. Okay. I don't take days off. There's no days off. And like even when the birth of my kid, I was there the next day. There's no, there's no dad. Uh, what do you call that? Paternity, paternity leave. Paternity leave. Even uh, like wife's due in July with our second. And Jen, uh, Jen Junior's wife's like, how long are you going to take off? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, so you're the guy known as you work. No, no, no. You put in if, your time. If, yeah. If I need to be there, I'm there because I'm not missing little, I don't miss details. And like, even like, you know, we nav yesterday, the Subaru guy came in. He's like, He's all, you know, they give this is the other thing. Owners think they can just leave because they're the owner, they're the boss. And Subaru guy gives them a check, uh, a bill for 3900 And I'm the and I'm a number numbers in my head guy. So it's like doing the math. And we do like a million dollars in Subaru parts a year. So 3900 bucks is like nothing compared to the grand scheme of the whole year. And I'm like, no, don't pay him. I'm like that's wrong. He's like, no. He's like, it's it's he owes for this, 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 this. I'm like, no, it doesn't. That's like those parts have been here. We've already paid for that. Subaru calls back later, like, yeah, we made a mistake on our on our end. It's like you don't owe that much. And it's like, if I'm not there, the check gets written. Not that it's Nav's fault. I'm not blaming Nav, but it's like I'm there. You know, if I'm not there, you're saying you're catching all the details. Yeah, because you're not wrenching. But they'll call, the phones will ring. They're slammed. I'll grab a phone. Emails. 
there's certain emails to delegate to certain things. Phil's great at, at like problem solving. He's great at like diffusing like unhappy people, stuff like that. He's good at like the back behind the business stuff. Nav's excellent at uh, doing invoices and estimates and stuff like that. So I'm delegating. So I got two questions there, right? So you said for most shop owners, and I know a bunch of them who they are the ones who wrench, they own their business. They're probably listening and they'll be like, cool, I like that advice. How? How do I transition to that? Hire someone. Hire a girl. Like a, like a, I had a girl upstairs for years. She just answered the phone, took names down, emails. So like, you're saying the first place to start is get like an administrative get assistant. Yeah. Get a help. Get help. Get someone that can just answer the phones. Hey, this person's this. Or someone's unhappy. You have someone to talk That's to. That's first step. Because the other thing too is that there's days where like I people show up to the shop and I'm pissed at something. And they get the wrong side of me. And they'll be like, oh, this dude's a dick. But I have, uh, like when I'm mad, I hide. I leave. Like I don't leave the shop. I go, I, I go in a car. Like I just disappear because it's like, there's a lot of times where like on the dyno, it's just the heat of the moment. Like I'm trying to make this thing run smooth and I'm, something's made me mad and a customer comes in my way and he gets the wrong end of it. And it happens too. They get, and I'll, it's like, I never mean it to lash out at them. I'm mad at something else. So I'm trying to make the day run as smooth as possible. But like on a day that we're not tuning and I can leave, like I'll go into a customer, I'll go into a car in the lift. I'm like, yo, put me all the way up while they're working on the car. And I disappear and I'm on my phone. So that way no one gets the wrath, you know? So it's like, you need to, you need to be able to do that. And you have to have people in place that you can trust to do that, you know, that they can sit there and answer calls, answer emails, talk to a customer when they're upset because it happens. Where you, you have quite a few people on your staff and clearly you trust them. They're reliable. Where did you find your staff? So Nav worked for me. Nav worked for me um, as like the sweep the floors guy. And and was he a guy who just walked into the shop and said, "I wanted to work here"? Like he was a dude that was prominent online on the Facebook groups. And, and then you asked him to come. He's in? from Queens, so he drives from Queens every day for the past ten years. Oh wow! Oh, wow. So he gets there at nine a.m. You know, if he's a little late, I get it. You know, you're driving. Queens. I yeah. have an easy pass you know, to help with that out. And he just has that passion for the brand, which I don't have as much of as him. Like I for can, Subaru, you're saying. For Subaru. Like I I can be passionate for Subaru, but he's like passionate. So he knows things that I don't know. I learn a lot from him too, because he knows like the little details and he picks up good details. So based on that, did all your staff basically come to you because of all our guys are are people I've known. So it's, I don't, the ones that I kind of hire that I don't know don't always work out. Some do. Do you credit it to networking then? Like because of the people that you've known is why you have a great team? That's got to be a good part of it. Phil came to me. He worked at Moto East. He worked at some other shops. Phil, like I hadn't really known of him. I, but I'd started to because at the same time, it's when I had my FRS, he had a BRZ and I had RB26 swapped and he RB25 his because my car inspired it. So he came one day, he just walked in. He's like, he's like, Hey, I'm looking for a job. He's like, you know, I do, you know, I, I, I can run this business if you want. And I'm like, really? And I was like, I need that. I need someone that can talk to a customer when I'm mad and they're mad. 
good things don't happen. So Phil's like the perfect dude. Like dude's mad. Phil's like knows how to like dude. That's a you gotta give credit to that guy for just walking into a shop and saying, I need a job. I'm gonna walk into this place and say, I'm gonna run this place. He said he had emailed me his resume. I saw where he what he had he even showed me Yeah. Phil's a G. He showed me the before and afters of their Google ratings pre he him working there post him working there that's what sold you that he also even was like annual revenue stuff like that phil was like he like really it was like a resume like before and after this is what i'm gonna bring to you and phil has his own like phil's good at his thing he's not a suguru guy as like he's really not other than the brz but that had an rb swap so it's not really a suguru at that point and then he 2j swapped it so he's not really a suguru guy but he's good at that He's good at like, yo, like paperwork, filing state yeah. with the state with certain stuff. Like Phil, do this. Phil, do that. Talk to this guy. Get, you know, bad Google review. Phil knows what to do. You know? I think the lesson learned from, you know, talking about how you grew your business in terms of hiring people and sponsoring cars, you have to show value. Yeah. So your staff showed you value, which is why you hired them. The racers that you worked with show you value, which is why you sponsor them. I'm not a I'm not a tyrant either. Like people make mistakes. We make mistakes all the my guys make mistakes all the time. It's like I'm not gonna fire. I don't fire. I fired maybe two guys or three guys through the whole thing. And even those guys that I fire, I'm still cool with. They call me for advice. Like I'm not I'm not that dude that's like cutthroat. And all my guys are paid top tier. They're not. You're not getting like a dude that's right out of a tech school. And honestly, I don't care about that shit. I want to see someone, all the guys that, that I've seen have showed up and they have nice cars. Like the one dude, our one tech, I saw a Baja, Super Baja driving the other way as I'm going to work. And he, he sent, he was going this way. I'm going this way. And I'm like, that's a nice Baja. And then he eventually, I eventually got in contact you know, through him because I put out a one, like a feeler for a tech and he had, he had emailed his credentials. He pulls up in the Baja and I'm like, oh shit, I know you. I'm like, I see you. On the but day. he also wouldn't have sent you your resume had he ha not already known that you were a great Subaru shop. Yeah. Right. But that takes time. That's so I'm sure though, I'm the car wash guy to a lot of people you know, for a while. When you mentioned a lot, he mentioned a lot. So you mentioned a lot of, you know, you had a lot of day one guys, guys that, you know, you, you automatically, for some reason it worked out. Have you had, and you mentioned two or three, but how many have, haven't worked out? A few, definitely. And there's some that were great and had a great trajectory. And then like a girl or something got into their life and then it kind of derailed it. Like they're, promise and it's like you make a tough decision at that point because it's affecting their day-to-day -day. um a lot of times i try to like like if someone's not good i i don't like i don't i have like a conscience i don't want to like put them on the street i'll try to be like yo we we're, we're not working like let's push you know, here's a nudge out the door whatever you need i'm here to help you need a recommendation I'm here to help. how did you get from you always say it took time the shop's been around for, you know, 10 years. That's fairly not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time. To me, it's a lot of time. It's really not I'm a lot of time. I'm a super impatient person. 
comes to like uh, five years to me feels like my year is like four years to most people. So that's because 10 years, not a lot of time from that time that you moved out of your parents' house, the shop getting busy to, you know, I know a lot of shop owners who can't afford one Ferrari and you have multiple Ferraris. How do you credit the rap? I'm going to say it's rapid because it really is. How do you credit the rapid growth? I don't want to sound like one of these like influencers online, but like, go for, for it. But for real, this is the truth. This is the, you can ask my wife. It's the truth. I was one of the dudes that was like this. I paid for this Dunkin' Donuts today. This is probably the first one I've paid for in like five years. I literally, and it, this was like, it's stuff that I realized before the whole influencer thing or guru thing happened. And I'm sitting there like, I'm paying like four bucks for shit every day. I'm drinking like three bucks. It's like 12 bucks. That's every day. Every day. Chipotle. Every day. You know? I'm like, I was spending like 50 bucks every day on just like dinner, lunch, breakfast, this. Fuck that. I'm going to start doing my own. I, I brew my own coffee. Like they, they, people make fun of, they think I'm carrying like wine or something. I have a big glass jug and I brew coffee at home and I bring it and I put it in the refrigerator. My shit's iced 24 A bunch of shop owners are like, oh, I just got to cut back on my spending. Like, no, that's not going to get you a Ferrari though. No, no. There's a, there's a rapid growth somewhere in between okay, here. So I'll get to that. So my rapid growth, I bought, it really started. I bought my first house. It was a two family house. And he was just saying, buy one, you'll see, you'll be, you buy one, you'll be rich. I'm like, oh, what are you talking? I'm like, how? So that caught like the itch and I'm like, oh shit, I got to do this again. And that's when I had like a GT3 and like some other shit, right? And I was like, I sold everything. I went, I bought another house. I still, I stole them. So my, for a few years, I went like full on like permit mode. Like you're not going to see me out. You're not going to see me online. All I'm going to is business and everything I make off my business, I'm putting it in. I'm investing. It. I'm not into real estate, into real estate. I'm like, this is, is easy. And at the time it was pre pandemic. So shit was cheap. Not like it is now. Right. So, so your first rental was a two unit. Mm -hmm. They're all two units. I still live in a two unit to this day. Oh really? Yeah. It pays. It pays. And then the tax breaks too. I live, I actually get paid to live in it pretty much. Right. So even to this day. So the, um, I have, but it's a big unit. So you were in your first one? First one, I caught the itch. Yeah. Fuck all this shit. I'm selling everything. I'm not buying nothing. I'm, I, and to this day, and to this day, go in my car. You'll see a lunch bag with meat, my food in it. Because you have the goal of buying more property. I have the goal of retiring. 45, I'm out. With a lot of real estate income. With a real estate income, but it's not even about that. I don't even need, I don't, I'll sell the Ferraris. I'll sell whatever. I'd want this thing. I want this thing out of my life. It's the fucking devil. Like the, just the email, the ping, the notifications, this, my goal is just to never have to. But use your it. exit plan is through real estate. Through real estate. I'm not going to, I don't think I'll forever exit. I think I'm going to give the guys pretty much at the guys that are with me. Equity like, of the shop. Equity of the shop. And I'm going to still be there as like a satellite, but I'm going to be on the other side of the world. If you don't mind me asking, how many rental properties are you up to at this point? Six. So six in five years. 
times two. Huh? Times two because they're all multis. Yeah. But it's so times. 12? It's like times. No, no, it's 12 units, but it's just six properties. But they all cash flow insane. So, and on top of it. Are they all in, in the Miami. North Jersey area? So, one, two, and how many, in the span of how much time were you able to acquire six properties? Five years since I left my parents' basement. But it wasn't even that. It was the, it was, they've all like tripled in value when I bought them. And I bought them distressed. That was the best. I bought them all. They all needed work. So I put work into them. Yourself? No, 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 no. I have a contractor. He's loyal, good guy. So I put money into it and then I've had them, I've, two of them I refinanced. Stupid money. So the shit that they say online is true. I did it before it became like this thing and now everyone's doing it. Now yeah. you go to like an open house and there's like 40 dudes there. Yeah. And I don't want the nice house. Give me the shittiest one run down. The one I just did, I, I just finished right now. It's like we literally took the siding off and it was gone. There was no wood there. All the termites had eaten it up. But it's so far my best money maker. It's crazy. It's stupid money. It's a Ferrari pay. It's a Ferrari eight twelve payment every month. Oh, wow. cash, positive cash flow just from the rent after paying everything off. People don't get that, so it's like I think that's what a lot of shop owners and you know they don't reinvest their money. They buy a lot of flashy shit right off the bat, and I did that. But I'm quick, like that's why my wife. She's like, I know you'll get rid of it in a blink of an eye. Yeah, she's like, I trust you. Do what you got to do. So I have my Ferrari. I'm, eight months, 10 months. I have like, I love it. Don't get me wrong. It's not where I want to be. I want 10 units and I'll do it. So I'm surprised you've even got the Ferrari and all these other cars knowing you've had that mentality. I had a, I had a last year just from my frugalness and just from like my, my like drive, I've kind of went to the point of, of mental collapse and I, I'll openly talk about it. And I literally was like, I need to do something for myself for one. I went to Greece, 10 days, don't talk to me, no one. I went, I didn't go to see any family, nothing. I laid on a beach on a, on, under an umbrella and I slept for 10 days next to the water. I didn't go out, I don't drink, I don't eat any kind of processed shit. I've changed my whole lifestyle because I was like that close to like. Collapse. Totally. How come? Was it burnt? Yeah, was it Burn, burnout from burnout. working? Burnout, no days off. Even my days off were like some, I had to do something. Um, I ended up, we moved from a six day to a five day. I thought that would help me. It made it worse because then the extra day, I'm sitting there thinking like, I should be making money instead of trailing. I don't feel adequate. So I started planting a garden. And I made, I planted behind my house. I planted a garden. I thought that, and for a while that helped like, you know, with the, the get me into a nicer place. But then it became like backbreaking work. So I was tired. I'd go to work on Monday and I was exhausted. I'm sure just like, I'm wondering, I'm sure a bunch of people are wondering here, how the heck did you run your shop and get six properties in five years successfully? Like where's you, you're already saying your plate was full with the shop. How did you, I, it's not even just that. I also have, I do wholesale, I wholesale cars. I'm the, it's not just prime. I buy a lot of like repo cars with bad motors, stuff like that. I fix them myself. That's majority of my money. That and real estate. 
Prime's like, Prime just is there to like support the others. But like, once I started doing that, I was able to really like triple my income. Then I put all my money into that. And then I, when I put my money, the cash, instead of it sitting in a savings account or in a car, I put it into the real estate and I saw that the equity of that grow. Plus I was getting my money back every month. So it's like, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't even care if they don't even make a dollar, right? But they do, they do very well. I'm looking as that is I can pay those off in five years, all of them. And the rental income from them being paid off in five years, I don't need to work. I don't have like, you know, IRAs. For Dimitri just gave like the that. exit strategy to kind of every business owner here. I tell it to everyone and people call, like even my mortgage broker has people call me to talk for me to talk to them and like as advice. And I'm like, bro, buy one, just buy one, pay it off. I'm like, even if you take 30 years to pay it off on your traditional mortgage, right? What's the rent going to be? Four or five grand now in today's money? What's it going to be back down there? You don't have to worry about Medicare and all this other shit that you have to do when you're older and you have no, and you know, the income stream runs out. I just feel it's there. I'm not a slumlord though. My shit, all my houses are like nice. Like, and I'm nice to my, if they need to leave early for something, I don't bang them. I give them the so you manage all your properties yourself. Yeah. That's what you, you have any, any that are delinquent on. I've had one. There are a couple from California. Uh, I'll just never rent to people from California ever again because <laughs> that their they think their rules apply here. Do you? Got yeah, because they have a they have like like a slum like they could squat. Oh yeah, like something out there, right? Like you could squat forever and. <laughs> nah, they fucked with. Me. But the, that was I had other than that, like they call, my contractor's there. Like he's. Like right away. So how did you find your tenants through your the real estate agent? That the real estate agent through, and then a lot of them are, a lot of them too are just like referrals from like, hey, like you have, you know, like they'll come. Hey, you have an apartment. My cousin's looking or this, and they'll be good tenants, and I know they're good, so I trust them. And like I do a lot, and I love like immigrants stuff like that because I don't like people don't they don't get approved for like because they don't have credit scores and shit like that or they don't they have a dog. Yeah, I'm like. Oh, you're going to deny someone because they have a dog. So they'll pay. They pay just out of being thankful that I'll accept their two 200 pound Rottweilers. I don't give a shit. I'm going to scratch the floor a little bit. I've had single moms that that just live with their kid and they've done more damage. So, so the Ferraris, all the nice cars weren't because of Prime. No. If I was just Prime, I probably would just be driving. The pilot. There's more to, yeah, there's just like, I do, I do a lot more than just Prime. Everyone thinks, you guys are banging people for, you can drive an 812. Right. You got to watch this podcast to find yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> you got to watch this podcast if you want to find out how, how Dimitri affords multiple Ferraris. It's, it's, how many Ferraris do you have? Well, I have. I have a the 812, I have a three, I have two 360s, I have a convertible, and I have Junior's old hardtop, the black one that we were talking about yep. before. Um, and then I have a Roma on order. So is that six? No, no, it's four. Four, four. But they're not. Like the ones that's, that's, I feel like they're like Junior's is like, I traded him. And I'm curious, I'm surprised you have that many knowing you still want way more properties. Um, Yeah. I've kind of, I need like a release now. 
I've learned to let, like, let me have a release. I think that's what you learned after your burnout, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I need you. To what have... you're, you're, what I'm learning from this conversation, you have a personality of extremes. I'm very extreme, you... very extreme, and I'm super disciplined. That's the other thing. My wife's like, she knows how I am. Like, if I don't, if I set my mind to something, it's like I have to go a hundred percent to it. Right. So that's like exactly that. But I think from your burnout, you also learn your extremes are going to kill you. Yeah. So you had to find your medium and it took you to the, your breaking point to learn. It was the, it was a great thing that happened to me too. And I would, I remember just like, I would go to work, I would just yell any stupid thing. And then I, when I left, so I came back, I bought the 812, I bought my X5, I bought like a bunch of shit. Because you went extreme again. Yeah, but I, I just needed it. Like, I, I needed something to show it's, like, worth it, right? But I came back, like, zen out, right? And I've been, I've tried to be much better with it, too. So, it's like, it was, it was, like, a really hard time. And then, mentally, I remember calling my mom. My mom was in Greece already. And she's like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm not there. She's upset. I'm going to, I'm getting upset just thinking about it because I can go back there but you're saying it was necessary yeah and she's like come here i was like can't yeah. like, come here and i was like i needed to go and, and she's in greece she was in greece she was on vacation and she's like just come and it was like that should save my life for real and, and this is before you had a kid no i had my daughter wow mm-hmm. so you really got to you know you got to your breaking point mm-hmm. and it took that you stepping away thanks to your mom to realize, you know, you got something to live for here. You got to figure this shit out. I needed it. What I had to realize it wasn't that serious and that this shit, the, the nice stuff, the aspiration for nice stuff is, is a blessing and a curse. And I was working hard. I'm like, I want a $2 million house. Like, you can't live here. Like, and I got this crazy shit in my head. And I'm like, I can't live in this area anymore. And I got back, I'm like, what an idiot. That shit's evil. And it still is. I keep the stuff now. I know I'm not perfect. Like, I toned down, right? My thoughts. But, you know, I still have my stuff. So I don't want to be labeled a hypocrite because it's hard to shake it. It's also hard to just get rid of stuff million dollar car lose a lot of money i mean i could take it if you don't want it (laughs) you can (laughs) we'll keep the you can park it here oh you can definitely park it if you you need someone to put miles on that we don't need this we can get rid of this definitely get rid of this very quickly (laughs) yeah why not uh no that's i mean it's it's something that i'm working towards so what would you say i mean if somebody is at that point of burnout in their life what what advice could you give to somebody who just feels like man i'm just overworked i'm over it you know i'm i'm at my breaking point what would you tell them it depends what what's your breaking point like what are you trying to do if your aspiration is to is something huge right like there's dudes that like the bezoses and stuff these dudes are ruthless i realize i'm not that kind of guy like i can't be. 
like I, I, I would see these dudes online and they'd have crazy shit and they're worth hundreds of millions or whatever. And I'm like, oh, dude, to be that. That's what you were working towards at Working towards that. So I was like, I need to buy two properties a year. Like, and not this FHA three and a half percent. Do it the traditional way. Take all my money. And it was just like, and I need a big house to show off. And I was, I realized it's like, if my intentions are to show off, you know what? And I remember, I forgot who said it to me, but someone's like, it might've been my dad. He's like, it would be worse if you got that house and lost it. And then you, you got that house, beat your chest, and then you lost it. What are you going to tell people? He's like, relax. It's like, it'll come. All that stuff will come. And then once, once I came back and I was in a better place and I, and I changed my, my diet big time. I stopped eating a lot of processed shit. I stopped. I don't drink. I haven't drank in years. Uh, I don't even, I don't like, and I, I just like focused on my sleep. I focused on like taking care of me. I, I can make it through the week much easier on the weekends. I rest more. That's why you don't see me racing as much. I will. I'll come back. I'll definitely be back there. But uh, it's like I rest more just because the week is so stressful. And I try to like think about things before I, I lash out. I used to be like quick to like, you know, now I'm like, shit happens for a reason. We get through it. Whatever. I've grown a lot in the last year, especially. And I realized the material shit was like, and it was probably better I got it because then I realized it ain't shit. It's like, was this all self-realization? Self-realization. Any books or any podcasts no. or anything that put I don't this, I don't listen to into music. You? I never have because my first car was a 90, 91 Jetta, and someone had ripped out the radio, and I couldn't afford a radio, like a nice stereo, and they had cut all the wires like real bad, you know, in the in the back. So like I took it to the shop. They're like, they did like you have to replace like a bunch of shit. This was all silentization. I learned from the beginning. I just like coming down here. I'm in, I'm in silence. I just think. I just, it, I always self-realize. It is self-realization. I, I'm always thinking. Man, good for you. So it's like my mind's always going, but it's like I've just learned to be more calm to talk to. Kind of interesting because past two, three years I've been reading, I've been listening to a lot of books because I don't like to read. I do Audible, so I listen I to a lot of books. And all this that you're saying is kind of like a lot of the lessons learned and a lot of the you know books I'm all about bettering myself right so all these things that you're saying it's like i was curious if you had any books to share that no you know i wish i did i don't no which is which is awesome because like damn all this just came to you <laughs> like <laughs> kind of always has like even like the dunk like you know people i saw i saw like a reel before they're like making fun of like influencers like oh, don't buy this cup of coffee and save your money it's like dollars a month and whatever and take that and invest it i like i kind of did that though but to the extreme years ago right. before all it people were making fun of it on but you also couldn't have gotten to this level of so many investment properties without your main gig of process also, right other investing in other businesses stuff like that also you've actually got quite like, a few things i'm trying to like i have like spread trying to like really spread out so it's, it, there's more, there's always, there's a lot underneath the surface that that's moving. So it's like, to it, it's, you can't, to if you think that you're going to open a, a shop 
other, and you're not making a product like a K Tunes or like IG or like something like that, you're not really making that much money. But it's not that you can't make it. You got to take whatever that money. Well, you could take that money and reinvest it relative to what you right. think is a lot of money. Too. Right. So some people may make a hundred k a year and they're happy as shit. Might make fifty k a year and they're happy as shit. Tell you the truth, when I used to make fifty k a year, I was happier than I am making ten times that. It's, it's relative. So it's like I don't know, and that's why I'm going to get back into racing and stuff like that. Try to get back to my like the roots, like have fun again. Like, not be so serious. I'm like, I ain't fucking driving that car. Like, fuck that shit. I ain't building another car. I could put that money invested and stuff like that. Like, Yo, relax a little bit. Sell one of the cars. You don't need it. You don't even drive it. Like, have some fun. I think that's a great piece of advice for all our listeners here. Like, don't chase it. Don't don't have one stream of income. <laughs> that's right. That too. Don't. There's nothing wrong with having one stream of income. If you're happy, you're happy. Be happy. One with that. You want to yeah, be happy. People? Yeah, be happy. There you go. Because nothing matters if you're not happy. One thing, you got to start with Jeff being Bezos, happy. I don't make millions of dollars a year, stuff like that. I make good money. I'm happy. My wife drives a brand new X7. Like, she's happy. My kid's happy. Everyone's happy, right? But if you want the extras in life. If you want the extras. But honestly, all that shit just brings more problems. It's the truth. And it's just like. Because if you have a race car, it's going to break. If you have rental properties, they're going to break and you got to maintain breaks. them. Yeah. The race car, the, everything breaks. Yeah. But the race car, you got to go back and realize, like, you look back and you're like, yo, the, we had so much fun. Does it make you happy? Yeah. We, Would my business have grown without the race cars? Uh, exactly. Like, yo, I, I remember, I remember the day we went eights for the first time in the purple car. And it was like, cause it was like, yo, it was like the, from the first, from March to the end, the last, it was the last day ACO was open. It was the last track opening of the year. It was like the end of November. It was right after Thanksgiving. And we were just like, it was just eluding us the whole year, right? And it's just like, I know what you're getting to. As soon as you ran that eight, it's one of the most unforgettable moments of your life. Orgasmic. It's crazy. I'm going to say it for the listeners right here, for, you know, people striving to get the eight second car. For them to hear you say like, nah, man, it's not worth it. You could be happier just making X dollars amount a year. They're probably like, shut up. I want my eight second car. Yeah, How do honestly, I get it? Honestly, that was <laughs> the most joyful thing. Like one of the most joyful. Things. Yeah. Like, but Dimitri just gave the the keys to, you know, gave that knowledge of how you can achieve that. Yeah. Buy some property and just save your money. Just save your money for a few years. You'd be surprised what you could do. And stop, sell, stop buying like unnecessary shit. I don't buy, I barely buy clothes. I got, they gave me this. <laughs> the, yeah, like I, I don't buy, I'm rare. Like I bought a Rolex last year. I'm not going to lie. When I got back from Greece, I bought a Rolex. What a, an olive rose gold uh, day date. Did it make you happy? No. I sold it in a week. I lost nine grand. You should have held it for a little bit longer. You well, probably could have made money now. I don't even. <laughs> it was the. He made, he made it in one month of rental in another place it anyway. Was, I put it on my wrist. And I was like, this is nice. And I went out to a birthday party to try to look like I was hot shit. And I, I got back in the car when I was done. And I was like, that was the dumbest shit I've ever bought. And I called my boy who I bought it from because he's like a watch dealer. And I'm like, sell it. He's like, you're going to take a huge loss. I go, bro, this is the dumbest shit I've ever experienced in my life. And the dudes that sit there and say investments, sure, cool. If you invest it, that's awesome. And you make money, that's awesome. But don't. Save your fucking money. 
That shit is cars is one thing. I can get in a car anytime, whatever. Bro, what's what's a watch doing that your phone can't? I a normal watch. If it was like a five thousand dollar watch, sure. But like, I'm scared to say how much was that watch. Holy smokes! It was the stupidest. Wow. Thing. Wow. And I'm glad I did it because I'll never. I I scratched that itch. That was a, that was more than a brand new Subaru on your wrist over yeah. there. It was stupid. And I lost. And I took a huge L. But I was glad I took that L. It was the, it was. I just I like learning my lesson because I then I won't make that mistake in the future. Nor will I ever have that like thought to do it again. Man, we just got a lot of life advice, career advice. Yeah. I got some. I got some car we, questions. Yeah, let's go back to that. We kind of. I, I, the track I mean, that's what this podcast is all about. Podcast is all yeah, about. It's we, not just cars, man. This is a conversation about life. Yeah, this is. This is, man. I, I learned a lot right here. I'm. I'm inspired. I want to go look at some properties, but it's probably terrible time to buy some properties not, right now. It's not if you know how to. If you know if you do the research and you know what what the like, what rents are stuff like that. You have a good realtor. I have a great team. I have my 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 friend Dom, who introduced me to Junior. His mom's my realtor. She's like a second mother, so she know. I'll be like, Gina, what's this? Like, what's the rent here? We can get that, or she'll find a property and be like, Hey, got this. You maybe your sister, maybe maybe someone in your family wants this, whatever. Because she knows it'll cash flow. She'll know it's like she knows what I like, so she goes to that. And then I'll be like, what's rent? She knows because she does. So I think that's good. a good piece of advice there. Yeah. Have a realtor that knows the market, that knows what could cash flow if you're trying to get a team properties. around or, or be able to architect. do the work. I mean, that that's work. Yeah. To be my with. wife's an architect. So when we do stuff and we like knock mm-hmm. it down and stuff, she's the one. You got it. You got, got engineers to sign off on it, all that stuff. And then like I have a, a, a contractor. I used this contractor years ago. He never did me dirty. He always, he's always like, if I call, he'll go help. Like if someone's in distress, like the heat broke somewhere, whatever, he's there fixing it like immediately. He doesn't. He's a jack of all trades. He's a jack of all trades. He's got a team too. And I might need this guy's number. I've had some issues that I didn't know who to go to. Yeah, no, contractors is weird. But I, I got lucky from the start. I met him from the start and I've kept them from the, from then. Three guys? Now, no. Guatemala? No. I think. Spanish into to old Toyotas like me. They do the best work, huh? Huh? They yeah. do the best they with contracting jobs, huh? He's just a good dude. You know, he's not like... Does he do it all by himself? He has a team. He has okay. like his brothers in it, his brother-in-law's in it. It's like family. You know, they got a family. Big lesson learned you just mentioned. Key to success to growing a business, you need a great team. You need a great team. You need to, a great team and also like... You have a great team at Prime. You have a great team on your real estate side. I have a great, and I have a great family, which is like the best. Very supportive family. Super supportive. Because you just said it. Like when and you had know your kids, you're back to work. Place. My dad and my mom, my sister, my one sister, shoot, like, yo, you're being asshole. Right. Tone it down. And I'll be like, shit, you're right. You know? Get that $59,000 watch off your wrist. Literally. Did anyone tell you that? Or you clicked that? No, no, no. That was quick. <laughs> I'm like, this ain't me. I'm super douchey right now. I was oh, watching man. my wrist. Should have put a just like a Seiko on or something or nothing. My Apple Watch. That's just, that's, that's a lot of money on your wrist. You realize, you see how stupid, it's stupid. 
Damn, that's crazy. I wouldn't say it's stupid. It's just a lot of money. It's just a lot of money. <laughs> this, it's fucking, to me, honest, in my opinion, uh, listen, people do their thing and they got nice watches and you can afford it and you can just like have it on there and not think about it. Cool. But dude, if I scratch that shit, I'll be like, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's get into the owning the shop question. Yeah, I'm gonna run to the bathroom. I've been pulling. Oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. Pretty reliable. They're actually very reliable. The problem with those is that if you don't get a manual and you have, you have the CVT, the CVT is the problem. EJ has head gasket issues primarily on the open deck motors, which is like regular Impreza EJ two five ones, single cam. You know, like the the basic basic bones. Do you get head gasket failures in the in the semi closed deck ones, which is WXSDI? Yeah, of course you do. You do. It's not, but it's like you'd be surprised how little of that is our actual work. Like very little. Oh, really? And like we've had cars that make. We have cars that make like seven hundred on the factory motor and they'll they'll do a, a pull on the highway and they'll pop a gasket right they'll push a little coolant nothing crazy though so is it like a really big issue not really and in terms of the big power stuff it's really no different than these guys they blow head gaskets too that's the other big misconception everyone thinks that subarus are the only cars that blow up i've been to world cup many times and i see these guys too changing parts out like so crazy. it's a myth it's not a myth it's there but it's like it's not like a stock I have a CRV too that I drive every day. I put around like my put around car. Like that's not gonna blow a head gasket, right? It might. It might, but like traditionally, no, right? Because it's it's pretty much like a standard inline four. You know, Honda's kind of gotten it right. It's more of a traditional layout. So obviously, when you have only six head bolts on one side and an open deck, and you know, it's like it doesn't. It's not like not like the BMWs where like I have a I have a S sixty five motor and you know at eighty thousand miles you got to change the rod bearings out. Like every car has its crutch. Yeah, exactly. So it's like Subaru Subarus are sensitive, more sensitive, but it's like every car has its thing. You know, it's like Toyota. Not everything's a, a Honda Toyota commuter car. Like you can't compare that, but. When you're talking about like a regular Impreza, if I went and bought a regular Impreza today, the motor, I, the motor, I'm sure could last just as long as any K or standard Toyota Corolla or whatever. Fucking Transit sucks now. So they they finally got it right, and then they introduced that CVT bullshit, and the CVT bullshit lasts like sixty to eighty thousand, and then you're replacing. It. So it's like. If they had a tradition, I think if Subaru today, I'm talking about the motors today, if they had a traditional like torque converter trans, they'd be the most reliable cars on it. Period. That's a fact. And I don't care what anyone else says because Subaru, are you watching? Yeah. I, I Trust me, I comment on all their shit every time they uh, they put like Bucky Lassick on the thing. Like, oh, look, buy our new this and that. Fix the trans. Forget Bucky Lassick. If you put a good trans in it, people would buy the car again. I would buy one and drive it every day because I actually am comfortable in them. Like the Outbacks, the Ascent is sick. The Ascent's nice. The It's a great everyday truck, but you can't tow with it. It's a full size and it's got like under 5K tow rating. Why? Because the trans would blow up. It would fall out of the car. So, big, Yeah, big. I don't know why. Like, so I have, even Honda went CVT. 
too. My so PRPC be my, my and like I just hate like it when you're gassing it. It's just like like versus changing the gear. Did you know, where do you like? So I use my car mostly because I'll I have to take my one pet to the vet. They're in Red Bank, so it's like kind of like a forty minute drive. So I'm like, it's like my my good gas car. Yeah, I like to cruise at like ninety, like that's like my minimum speed on the highway. So that shit's like at thirty five hundred RPM. Yeah. So it's it does like eighteen miles the gallon. Yeah. So that's there is a, the fuel economy is is it's like yo put an eight speed in, it. like get with the times. The CVT doesn't work. Let's be done with it. <laughs> And they're unreliable. At least for the to- Toyota CVTs are pretty decent. Hondas are okay too. My dad, I had bought my dad because my dad has a farm in PA that he goes. He's got like sheep and chickens and stuff like that. So he's like, give me something that's good on gas. Okay. I found him a Civic Hybrid for 1200 bucks. And he put like 50,000 miles in like one year. Up this thing. He's like, cost me nothing on gas, whatever. CVT broke on. No. But. I don't think it's ever been made. I don't think it was ever maintained like the trans. It did better than a Subaru. got to like 250K, which is pretty good Wow, for a CVT. Is it the original CVT? I don't know. It was a $1,200 car. So it did the job. Thoughts on the STI getting discontinued? Um, I Okay. So I had posted about this on my personal Facebook and people were like, wow, that makes sense. Okay. So number one, there was an STI in development. That's a fact. Number two. I have a new 22 WRX, right? When you, the little coin holder in the middle, when you pop that out, the DCCD, the SI drive from the old STI clips right in. That means that there is, there's an STI, there's an intention for an STI. Cause if you take the old one from the 15 to 21, the little knob on the STI that you could change the modes and mess with the center diff, it clips perfectly into it. Like, like perfect. So there's an STI, there's definitely an S there was an STI in development and the car was made with the thought of an STI. Why? Why did they discontinue it? I'll tell you why. Toyota is the majority shareholder of Subaru. They own 30% of Subaru. They are the majority shareholder. So they, they're the big boss at Subaru. If they released a Corolla GR, a 300 horsepower, 3,200 pounds, six-speed car, at the same time that, and there was an STI that made, that's made that same exact stat line for 20 years, who is paying the markups on the Corolla instead of going to the Subaru? Because now you have to do a new Subaru, a new STI. Because remember, they've redesigned it. So yeah. you can't come out with 300 again, and the EJ's dead. So you, FA24 with a tune, with just a tune, dusts a Corolla GR. That's a fact. No one can come see me with a Corolla GR if you want to line up. The... Um, Who's, t- who's buying, you see the markups on these stupid GRs. Who's buying that? Yeah. So now what they're going to do, if you bought a Corolla GR, you just bought an STI. <laughs> so, especially a three-cell. So what's going to happen? The, the craze is going to go away. Toyota with these crazy markups on everything. Sequoias and Hunters, get out. Yeah. All that that's that's craze is going to go away, and they're going to look new STI. And what's going to happen? They're going to come out with the STI for the same price as a Corolla GR, and everyone's going to be like, STI is back. Like these are such risen, risen, and that shit's going to be hundred K. 
plus. So they can mark that. So up. they yeah, they're gonna mark it up to hundred. So you think it was all marketing? Mm-hmm. They're Jeeves. Everyone went. Everyone, and it's crazy the vitriol of, towards the STI, and the like the love and admiration towards the Corolla GR for years. Same car, same shitty car, three hundred horsepower since two thousand four. Blah 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 blah. Super. It's not like the Corolla GR is any better. It's not a Yaris GR. Stop, apo- stop apologizing for it and comparing it with the Yaris. We don't get that here. Yaris GR is cool as shit because it's small. It's like this size. That's cool. It's wide. The Corolla GR is just a Corolla. It's not a bad car. I'm not saying it's a bad car, but if you paid more than sticker, sorry, you got you got got. It's all marked. It's all marked. Yeah. And when you buy an STI in the future or WRX, it's Toyotas anyway. You're buying it. You know? So. It's, they win. They win. E- either way. They win. Do you see that affecting your business up until you Yeah, know? 100%. Yeah. 100%. The, the lack there of an STI really did, like, I, like, when a, a new STI always dropped, like a 20, 21, or like the 15s back in the day, or like every new model year, there was a, like a buzz and excitement. And now it's like the F, the B, B guys, which is the 22 plus, the B chassis. It's like you're not getting STI guys going into them. You're just getting WRX guys going into them. And I'm not like trying to be like, it's like a money thing or like a, like a demographic thing, but it kind of is because it's not. Like the dude, they're not, they don't have the income. A WRX owner is not the same as an STI of what they spent. There's, don't get me wrong, there's exceptions. It's, it's just, there's exceptions, but it's not the rule. There's an exception and there's the rule. WRX guys don't spend what STI guys do because the STI guys have a more expensive car. But there's WRX guys that spend a lot of money too and make their car STI like, but the STI guys kind of like sat still. Or went to a different platform, like BMW or something, which are the new ones are insane. The new B58 motors, all that's crazy. So, or they just like, hey, I'm, just, I'm cool with my STI. So it's like, I think once a new STI does come out, you'll see those guys jump into that platform and be like, okay, let's let's get route. But there's going to be some cool stuff for the new one coming out soon. ETS, the turbo kit's pretty much done for it, like big turbo kit. Uh, so, but uh, like I said, once like the aftermarket still hasn't even caught up with it yet, like it's not like what it was. So I think people are waiting too for the aftermarket to catch up to what, like the old. Does it affect the business in any way that you're, you know, because you're the strategy guy, long-term focus guy, is this changing your business model? It's changing my way of looking at it. It's more of me being like, I confirm of what we spoke about before. It's like, I don't see it sustainable any time. 100%. So what is the, what's the move? My move is fucking umbrella on the beach. <laughs> that's what that's sell like, everything and just leave. Now the the move is to you're gonna see me now more than ever is I'm gonna start offering like cars like pre offering cars for sale. Like I'm gonna move to that to be more of a dealership, right? To where I'm going to take like an STI and I'm going to put like a built motor in it with a warranty with some good stage two mods and be like, 
you know, here you go. You're gonna pay a little premium, but you have a good motor, not a stock motor. You have a built motor. You have a somewhat of a warranty. They'll be, they'll have like the basic of mods, like the maintenance mods that you're gonna do anyway. You're, it's not much more expensive than before. Maybe get into offering financing stuff like. Have that. you ever sold anything like that yet? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've really? done it. I do a lot of people actually. So I've done it for quite a few people. They'll message me. They'll be like, hey, I'm looking for a specific car, um, but I don't want like the unknown. Like, I don't want to drive someone's beat up past car, even though it looks clean. Right. And it's been a bearing on me a few months down the road. So I'll, I'll, so I'll be like, what do you want? Okay. So I had a girl actually from PA. She messaged me. She's like, I want 11 to, th 11 to 14 hatchback. Got to be white or plasma blue. I want an IG motor and I just want like stage two setup. Perfect. Did exactly that. What's your budget? XYZ. Perfect. I need this up front so I can buy a car. So I bought the car, took the motor out, built it. Everything's brand new. Timing belts, oiling components, everything. And she's been happy since. We maintain the car. You know, and make sure everything's good. And that's it. And I've done it a few times, actually. So I think I'm going to move more, more towards into that. That way, it's like, I'll have like a whole lineup of Subarus. They'll be like, like with my rentals, like I was telling you before. Everything's new. I don't want to hear any problems. Problems are not going to happen. We're going to take care of the problems now. And we're going to get, the car's going to be 100%. You're going to leave happy as fuck. That's what I want. That's cool. So, that's cool. That's a that's a good concept yeah. right there. So kind of be like a dealership. You're not going to get a new STI. Okay, I'll sell you an old one, and that shit will be reliable, as reliable as a Honda, whatever, and be fun to drive. You probably have like some super modded, some you know. I'm going to bolt them. on. Yeah, if they want to do more crazier stuff, yeah, obviously it'll cost more. But I'm going to do like a basic, like stage two car that everyone does. It's like always oh, the stepping stone, right? right. To, like downpipe intake, all full carb bolt legal stuff, full bolt-ons, right? Yeah. Carb legal, all that easy stuff so everyone's happy. You pass inspection, all that stuff. Cool. No, oh, I like that idea. Yeah. Sounds like the challenge there is just finding all these stock ones or older ones to fix up. Let's keep That's it, the easy part. Keeping an inventory. Yeah, no, that, I have so many of them. So we always have a stockpile. So Very I cool. think that'll, I'll probably transition more into that and then keep it alive. I like it. Dimitri, we got your past. We spoke about what you're doing now. We spoke about the future. Yeah. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you guys for having yeah, me. Thank you. Thank this you. was a inspirational, you know. I'm glad it was. It was awesome. Conversation that we had here and definitely looking forward to seeing touch and base again. Yeah. Because it's kind of crazy. Last time we touched base was when you just got back from Greece. Okay. So it's very cool to see the evolution of you as a person to... You know, like how, it, how, what an impact that trip was for you to now hearing that you're such in a good, great place. Yes. It's, yeah. it was, it was, it's, it was much needed rest. That's what it was. And it was, I had gotten to a place of like insane greed and want. And I realized that wasn't bringing me any happiness. And even though I have a lot of nice stuff now, you know, I, it's, it's at an arm's length. And I'll get rid of it if I have to. And I don't have any emotional attachments to it. And my emotional attachment is, you know, my family and being happy. And my ultimate goal is to just go, like, you're just going to see me in hopefully in 10 years. We don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. Anything can happen. 
I just want to like kind of right into the sunset. Yes. Very cool. That's my goal. Thank you everybody for watching. If you liked, you know, today's conversation and you want to hear more, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on whatever channel you're watching this on, whether it be a podcast or on YouTube. Appreciate you guys. Stay tuned for our next podcast.